Hello, friends. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode. Today on the show, we have one of my good friends, Kayla Varney. We'll be talking about her experience being a woman in leadership, how to listen and take in other people's perspectives, and being able to embrace uncomfortable conversations. If you haven't done so already, please give us a follow on Spotify and hope you guys enjoy. My name's Adam Melamed, and welcome to The Pursuit. Whether you're outside getting some fresh air or hanging out with friends, get ready to be happier. Alrighty, today on the show we have Miss Kayla Varney. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Adam. I'm stoked to be here. And congratulations for finishing up your your internship. I know I know it wasn't exactly what you were hoping for, but I'm sure it was exciting to get to partake in and get a little bit more experience that you would have not necessarily been able to in other situations. Totally. Thank you. It was funny. I was joking with some of the people at Protivity that I was like, wow, this this internship really flew by, but it was two and a half weeks. So <laughs> totally makes sense that it did. But thank you. Much appreciated. Definitely. So for, for those that are, might not have met you before, don't know you, could you give a little bit of background information of who you are? Totally. All right. So yeah, my name is Kayla, Pacific Northwest, born and raised. I think that's shaped a lot of who I am today, but now currently I'm residing in San Luis Obispo in California. I go to Cal Poly and I'm a business major here and I'm concentrating in information systems. If I had like three words to describe myself, humorous, open-minded, and thoughtful yeah love it well thank you so much for joining us on the show today really excited to pick your brain and get to know a little bit more about you absolutely thank you for having me yeah yeah and just to give a little bit more background of how kayla and i know each other we've been a part of the same business fraternity since our freshman year and kayla joined the quarter after i did and immediately as she joined she got so so involved with different organizations on campus like Very true. So I really wanted to understand where your motivation comes from, your inspirations, as well as your work ethic. And being a woman that's held several leadership positions, I want to also get your take and what it's like being a woman in a leadership role. So those are the things that I'd like to cover today on the show. Would you like to tell us a little bit of your involvement at Cal Poly and what you've been a part of? Yeah, absolutely. So for starters, I think the first thing I got involved in and was kind of my spring vo- springboard into getting involved elsewhere was Delta Sigma Pi, the business fraternity that we're in together, which has been super awesome. I think having a co-ed experience at college has been really unique in the sense that we're getting a lot of different perspectives, male, female, different backgrounds, walks of life that are all in the same club. And I feel like that's just not a lot of other clubs or organizations are able to foster a community like that. But after Delta Sig. I got involved in Mustang Consulting, which is a student-run pro bono consulting firm. So super cool to not only have the social side of things, but really be able to explore what I want my career to look like. And following Mustang Consulting, I just last year, so my second year at Cal Poly, got involved in poly reps. So I am an official, an official university ambassador of Cal Poly, giving campus tours to prospective and admitted students and their parents and supporters, which has just been such a cool thrill. And being able to, you know, feel like I I can make a mark on this campus and really advocate for change in whatever facet or area that looks like on our campus currently. 
Awesome. So do you want to explain a little bit more of your mindset in regards to what you wanted to get out of college initially coming in and kind of expectations versus reality now going to your fourth year? Absolutely. I like that question. Let's see. Coming in to college. Well, first of all, I didn't have Cal Poly on my radar. I applied to Cal Poly because someone had showed me a picture of the rec center. And I was like, that's apply. Um, Beautiful rec center, by the way. Beautiful rec center sold me. But it's funny because I think the fact that I didn't expect to end up at Cal Poly allowed me the expectations and get involved where I wanted to get involved and make my experience my own rather than you know, some of my friends being from Seattle, um, going to UW and then getting involved in the Greek system. And they get involved in the Greek system because everyone does versus Cal Poly. I didn't really know much about. And so I kind of came in wide eyed, really excited to take any opportunity that was put my way, whether it be in a social aspect or professional aspect, whatever that looks like. Um, just super excited to get involved and make California my own, seeing that I hadn't really been out here or I'd only been out to California once or twice on vacations. But I think where I am today, the biggest thing that I've learned through coming to Cal Poly, coming in with this idea that I didn't really have any expectations was that that's the best way to go about most things. <laughs> Bad, like the lower the expectations, you like you don't want to set low expectations yourself, but also at the same time too, like you're always going to surpass them. And I think it really gives you this open-minded perspective of, you know, like just making the most of any experience or any conversation or situation, whether it be like, you know, going camping to Big Sur for a long weekend, or even just like hanging out with a buddy at night, grabbing dinner or something that still really has carried over and allowed me to get involved in things that I have and also build confidence in ways that I would have never anticipated because I got involved with things and was like, well, let's just do it and see where it goes. Versus being like, I have this expectation set for myself that I'm going to get involved super deeply with organization, club, whatever it may be, friend group, and feel like I have to like already play this role. So it's definitely been a super cool experience coming to Cal Poly. Yeah, I think a, a fourth word to throw out there to describe you could be curiosity, just trying mm -hmm. new things and seeing where it goes. And that's I, I think that's such a, a such a good path to start on, lead you to living a very successful, happy life as a college student. Because coming in open mind, willing to try new things, meet new people. I mean, you're going to meet people from so many different backgrounds and cultures that being willing to listen and hear what their perspective is will mm -hmm. help you grow and excel so much as an individual. Could not agree more. And and even if it's, you know, like I hear things that I disagree with, it's still cool to hear an alternative perspective and have people help me challenge my beliefs or look at something perspective that I might not have otherwise before. So yeah, change my expectations as time goes on too. Awesome. And as far as the different clubs and organizations you've joined and your purpose in joining those clubs, what are you what were you intending to get out of them? Huh. Asking the hard question. I I think the one that comes to mind first with polyreps giving campus tours was obvious. I never took a campus tour myself when I was coming to Cal Poly, but I loved my experience and loved that I had the opportunity to create my own path on campus. And I wanted to give prospective students the opportunity to see that and visualize the opportunity that Cal Poly presents from an academic professional standpoint, I'd say. So I think that is like one of the most obvious things that I was like, I know what I want to get out of this. But for everything else, it kind of goes back to just like saying yes to opportunities. When I joined Mustang Consulting, the consulting firm on campus, I was like, I have no idea what I'm about to get out of this. I don't know why I'm joining it other than I'm interested in consulting, but that was kind of it. 
And going back to the expectations thing, I think that's what set me up for success is because going in, I was like, all right, we'll just see where this takes me. Mm -hmm. And would you say, as far as joining Boston Consulting, which you joined so early on in your college career, was there a specific individual or someone that influenced you or inspired you to join that organization and go off from there? There were a couple people for sure. Their whole thing was just say yes. Like, just try it out. It doesn't hurt. College is four years. It's not for the rest of your life. It's not a job. Um, if you don't like it in a year, you don't have to be a part of it. And so I think, although that's not necessarily directly tied to consulting itself, it was still really cool to meet people that were like, hey, just give it a shot. See if you like it. I think you'd like the problem solving methodology of consulting itself and see where it takes you. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that I mean, it, it kind of speaks for, for itself. What you've joined is kind of resembling what you have gotten out of college as well as things that you're passionate about. I think helping others has been a huge one, at least from what I've been able to see. And over the years, being able to work with these different clubs, organizations, and working your way up to holding leadership or executive positions. Could you talk a little bit about what it's like being a woman leader? Yeah, I, I guess I pause because I want to preface it with, I don't think it should be anything out of the ordinary. I think the conversation around women leadership is too taboo and people are afraid to talk about it. And I, and I think it needs to be talked about because there needs to be more, more awareness for like women in leadership and feeling comfortable in those roles. But I'm also like, yeah, if I want to be or have the opportunity to be a leader as a female, I should be able to do it regardless of my gender. But I think something that I've really learned is that over time, there's been people that have helped me realize that like whatever success story that I have, it's going to come with enemies. And I think that is like the biggest challenging point of being a female leader is that you see so many female protagonists in stories in TV shows and movies that are always trying to please others or make amends with everyone. When in reality, if you do want to be in a leadership role in any facet, whatever that looks like for you, there's always going to be people that are going to be questioning your beliefs, questioning your judgment call, questioning your decision. And you're going to have to be okay with the fact that there's going to be other people that disagree with you. But I think that's also important because you should be surrounding yourself with people that are going to question your beliefs and challenge you, even if you wholeheartedly disagree with their opinion or perspective. Beliefs are essentially going to turn into one huge session of groupthink, which going back to the woman in leadership thing, I think even sometimes when it is intimidating to walk into a room, whether it be full of men or full of people I don't know, or a place or space where I'm not necessarily welcomed or my opinion isn't really encouraged to be said, I still think it's really important to have the mindset that if you are knowledgeable on a subject, like talk about it. If you have an opinion on something and you think it's important to share, speak on it. Like speak when you're not spoken to in terms of if you're walking into a business meeting and in my case, surrounded by a room full of men and there's someone that asks another individual that's like, Hey, what was the outcome of this project? And I know the answer, but that person, maybe that is a person in leadership or one of my teammates is the one that is spoken to. I'm going to speak up and be like, Oh, actually I have the opportunity to work on this project. And that's just such a small like instance, but it's seen in so many different spaces. And I think as soon as you learn how to do that, all going back to, there's going to be people that disagree with you and understanding that it a lot of this defiant quote unquote woman's leadership comes with creating enemies, you're going to be able to successfully feel like you can confidently 
lead a team or a group of individuals, no matter the gender in this case in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a it's a great perspective. And unfortunately, I can't necessarily relate being a male, but hearing that perspective and understanding, you know, I think a big thing about being a young adult and growing up is being able to understand and listen to what other people have to say, regardless of their gender, their race, ethnicity, whatever. I mean, it doesn't, everyone has a different perspective. And if you're willing to listen and hear what they have to say, the world and society is going to be better off. Yeah. And I totally agree. I think one of my biggest metrics for success, I guess, I'm more talking in a professional career path when I get older, but it's that I have people whether it be women, girls, whoever, looking up to me because of my desire to make and pave my own path, even if the odds are somewhat against me. And I don't mean challenging the status quo in a way that's ignorant or blind to other people's beliefs. I think it's really important to understand where other people are coming from and count when you're making your own decisions, your own formulating your own opinions on whatever it is. But whatever you believe in, like stand by it. And I hope that people will be defiant in whatever she does and challenges status quo in a way that is positive and constructive and is looking out for others as she continues to grow in whatever career path or individual pursuit that might look like and helping others get there and realize their potential as well. I love that. And I think going a little bit deeper, can you tell us what has led you to the success you've had in college and your plans after? I mean, I think you're a very ambitious individual. And I'm sure there's certain things that have helped you along the way, whether it's inspirational people or advice you've gotten. 100%. The first thing I'd say is my brothers. And I say that because, and I, and I think my lucky stars that I had two younger brothers growing up and there's nothing wrong with, you know, not having any siblings or having a sister, but growing up, rather than like playing with Barbies or like fighting over clothes, I guess. I was like skateboarding on the streets in front of my house and chicken fighting in the pool with my brothers. And again, not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but I just think all of the playful rough housing with my brothers taught me how to be mentally tough and hold my own ground and always have my own back. It's allowed me to stand up for my own ideals, coming back to the notion that you're nobody's hero except for your own. And I know my brothers have played a super pivotal role in my life and I tell them that and they know that. I think the one thing that really has allowed me to formulate this opinion of holding my own ground and feeling confident in myself in whatever situation I'm in is that I don't really believe this anymore now, but for the longest time, I believe there was no such thing as a selfless person. And I've had so many conversations with my friends about this, but the reason why I would say that there's not one single person in the world that could be truly selfish, self selfless is because at the end of the day, when you go to bed or you're unraveling from your day, you're thinking about what you have to do the next day. You're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about, oh, what did I do today? Or you're thinking about that conversation that went wrong and you're like, shoot, I should have said about like, oh, I have to, you know, you're not really thinking about others or like, you're not thinking about someone else's agenda. You're probably thinking about your own. The best way to like put it in simple terms and the way that I, I actually do kind of explain my thought process sometimes is like, you know, when you're in, you're talking with your buddies you're all kind of joking around, you're laughing, whatever. And you tell a joke, no one laughs. And you're kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. That's such a stupid joke. Like just, you know, you're, you're, you're second guessing yourself. And for that, like put yourself through, you're like thinking about that for the next 10 minutes. Like, I should have said this, I should have done this. 
but your friends are already thinking about the next topic of conversation or their joke that they're going to tell. And so from that perspective, even in conversation, you're still somewhat thinking about yourself in a way that you're not selfless. Like, you know, if I've already been the one to tell that joke, someone else might be like, oh my God, I can't believe Kayla said that. But I kind of believe that that's based out of someone's insecurity, not necessarily because they're thinking about me in a way that's like, oh, well, she should have said this. It's like, oh, well, that's kind of embarrassing that she said that. I don't want to do something like that. Again, wrapping it all back to this selfish notion. Now, I think I've had friends and conversations that have allowed me to realize that it's like, there are obviously selfless people in this world. But I still think that that ideology of at the end of the day, you probably most likely are always thinking about yourself and like the role that you play in this world has really helped me realize like, at the end of the day, I am the one that, you know, I'm going to fight my own fight and whatever that looks like for me every single day. No one else is going to do it for me. I have to be the one that goes out and takes opportunities and seizes the day. No one else is going to let opportunities fall in my lap. So yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's cool because now like it's, how can I make the most of my day? What do I get to learn today? What do I get to say yes to today? How can I prove others that I'm worthy of doing X, Y, and Z, or that I'm worthy of this leadership role? And so in that way, it kind of makes it fun. And you get to hear a lot of different perspectives, especially when you're comfortable starting those conversations with other people too. Nice. So with, with all the things you're involved with, and I mean, I'm sure you have very busy days. What is your work-life balance like? What do you do to de-stress? How do you go about your day putting in your all and then in the evening, whenever you get the chance to unwind and relax? Can you tell us a little bit more of your, maybe your morning routine, how your day goes and just kind of your balance? Yeah, totally. I think every day when I wake up, I just try to wake up with a clear mind, but being excited to see what the day has to offer, I guess, being excited to learn, kind of like you said, maintaining that curiosity and keeping the low expectations, which sounds so terrible, but really just going into the day with being like, what am I going to do today? How can I make this day my anything else? And it's funny that you say that because I feel like it's so good to have some sort of ritual. Like you see Steve Jobs wake up, wear the same clothes every single day because it makes one less decision for him that he can focus on other things for. But I definitely don't have any sort of like morning routine or ritual throughout the day. And it's funny you say that because I feel, feel like one of the ways that I would I would unwind is totally remove all technology or like not be on my phone or I don't know, only talk to people that I want to talk to or um, totally unwind. What is something that you would like to add to your routine throughout the days? Something that Mm -hmm. you may have, may have tried or are interested in trying that might help you in a certain way. Mm. I think one of the things that I really value are asking other people self-reflective questions because it's so interesting to hear other people's perspective on things and then you naturally will reflect on your whole when you have the opportunity to kind of dig into someone that's more introverted and a lot of those conversations that are had that are more like oh wow I had this super cool and unique conversation with this person and heard about their perspective on this or like their mindset of life or whatever it might be or like a new friend that they made I'll think about it for a long time to my daily routine, I'd love to be able to add more of those conversations because I think in my downtime or if I'm not doing anything, that's kind of where my mind starts to wander is rethinking those conversations in a way that's like, wow, how can I apply something that like was so cool that someone had said into my life? Or how can I reflect on it and make my life better because of the way that they have this or think about things or process things or have a super cool mindset? 
I think the some of the main takeaways from this episode is just being able to listen and take in as much information as you can because talking and expressing your opinion, your ideas is great, but when you're able to listen and hear others, you're going to grow so, so much more as an individual. And that's what mm-hmm. Kayla's getting at here. Totally. And I, I had a cool conversation with one of my friends probably like a week ago, and she was like, just start asking people questions. Just actively think about not trying to say I in any conversation and constantly ask other people questions and just see how far it gets you because people want to talk about themselves and they'll talk to talk. It's literally like what I'm doing right now. Like I'm just talking about myself and all you're doing is asking questions, but you never know what rabbit hole you're going to go down and continuing to ask those targeted questions is so huge. And by asking those people don't even realize how much they're opening up or naturally become more comfortable with you. So it's been something I'm really bad at it. I'm really jumpy with my thoughts. My thoughts are always jumbled. I'm not good at saying things in a very short-winded nature, but it's been something that I'm thinking about a lot. And totally, like you said, the whole listening piece is really huge. Yeah. I think it's great that you're able to recognize well, because, I mean, you go into an interview, and people always ask, like, tell me a weakness of yours. And so few people are able to answer that question because they're constantly thinking of, oh, I'm so good at this, this, and this. But being able to identify something that you're struggling in or something that you can improve on and getting back to the whole topic of it's just personal growth. The more you're able to identify things that you could work on will help you in the long run. Right. And I think it's funny because sometimes people like if your friend does something and you're like, Oh, this really bugs me about my friend and I'm so annoyed about it. My first inclination is to be like, why don't you talk to them about it? Because I'm sure they want to know that they're doing something that annoys you. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm sure they're not intentionally being like, oh, I'm going to annoy this person today. Like, it's not how life works. And I think there's so much that can be done by having a conversation. And even asking people, like, I had asked that same friend that I had a conversation with a week ago. I literally was like, what is your perspective on me? Like, what was your first impression of me? What is your opinion on me? And I'm sitting there and there's so many things that I'm like, I knew that about myself, but then she'd phrase something that I was like, whoa, I've never thought about it from that perspective. And that type of thing that I touched on earlier where I'm thinking over a conversation all the time and seeing how it applies into my life. That was the perfect example of it. I still think about that conversation probably daily. And it is cool. Once you realize that it, they're not, if you do ask someone like, what do you think of me? It's not something that should be taken personally. It's more like that is their own personal opinion and you can run with it or not. But I do think it's to some extent important to know, obviously, like be ambitious and be yourself and do your thing, but also know how other people perceive that and what that might look like from a completely different lens of someone that might have opinions that are totally contrary to your own. Well, let's let's see if you can answer this question. This might be a little challenging, but mm-hmm. how would you describe yourself freshman year versus now? If if someone were to come up to you and say, hey, Kayla, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? How would you describe yourself when you started college versus going to your fourth year totally I think one of the first things that comes to mind is my freshman year or coming into college that is I was very I'm a very loud person and I'll like I'm very comfortable with that now but at the time I was loud to draw attention to myself in a way that was like oh if I make a bad joke or if I do something funny or if I'm loud in any setting I'm not like okay well like drawing attention to herself I'm like this is just me and I didn't think anything of it I mean, I'm not second guessing it. So I guess actually full circling that question, it's just not second guessing myself anymore and listening more. That's it too. 
Yeah, I think. What would you What would you say? God, you put me on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is freshman year going to college. I I wasn't very good at listening, and it's funny that I'm talking about it now. But I always just kind of wanted to say what I wanted to say, and mm-hmm. that was it. Like I could talk with talk with a good buddy of mine. And he'd say, man, you used to you used to just talk, talk, and talk, and now all you do is listen. And for me, I think learning, I, I think I'm very grateful for becoming a peer mentor. And just the one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten from the training I went through was the form of active listening and just mm-hmm. being able to hear what, other, what another person has to say. Because if you take the time to hear what they have to say, they're going to trust you more. They're going to start like the conversation is so much more engaging and you could go in such a deeper level versus you just constantly providing your input. Right. No, it's, it's really cool that you had the opportunity to have even like a training on that. Mm -hmm. Cause I feel like most people really don't have that opportunity. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully in the future we'll record, record a few more of these and provide some of the insight and experience I've gained from being a mentor. So that, that will be to come. I love it. I want to want to talk a little bit more about what your ambitions and goals are after graduation and what you see yourself doing in the future. I know you're planning on doing a really cool senior project. Would you like to ta- tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, yeah. It's still early on stages, but after the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement reemerged, there was this push and deep understanding that there wasn't a space within our nation or education system to have these conversations. And so you see a huge sense of polarization between whether political parties when, or just people on the steps that should be taken, whether it be defunding the police or looting, or even the way that we talk about BIPOC within our education system too. There were so many contradicting opinions that now got brought to the surface that were never really touched on before. And the space was made to finally have these conversations in a way that is encouraging of one another to do so and not suppressing these thoughts or conversations under and pushing them under the rug anymore. And something that I'm really grateful with, grateful for in terms of my invo- involvement with PolyReps has been that I've had the opportunity to find these spaces to have these conversations in a way that was really empowering rather than judgmental and in a way that was whatever mistakes that were made in the conversation you had the opportunity to understand why that was a mistake in whatever facet whatever type of conversation it was about and understand why you were wrong and also be able to be like oh I totally can see why in a way that was very non-threatening and I think that you don't really find those spaces oftentimes now so with my senior project I really want education our education system as a whole, specifically starting with my own hometown, to provide these spaces at a younger age. Because I think I'm realizing now, and I think the reason why this type of project has become something that I'm so passionate about is that in high school, I was that very ignorant person that didn't really have a tab on any of these conversations or very uncomfortable having them, even if it was people that I knew that I could have them with or very well versed on these conversations. And so I think by starting and including these BIPOC narratives within our education system at a younger age, it provides exposure that it's like this one education narrative that we are currently playing very much so uplifts uh, uplifts the white community 
to the extent that it's like, there's no other BIPOC narratives that are intertwined. And if it is, it's like a book that you read once in like eighth grade or a short story that you read and then you kind of discuss it, but only from the light of a white individual. And I think that by providing this exposure to a lot of these other, other narratives would be a really cool way to promote this space to not only continue, but also just be started at a younger age. So people now normalize this conversation, whether it be around race or just that diversity as a whole or gender equity, anything like that. It, it now is something that people are like, yeah, I've had these conversations before, so it's not that intimidating. And I think the reason why education to me is so important and really targeting at, like for me, I'm targeting my school district. So even like elementary to middle to high school is because I think at this age that we're at, both being 21, so many people are uncomfortable joining the conversation because they're like, oh, I'm a quote unquote adult. So therefore I should know how to have these conversations already. And then already there's this barrier to entry for the conversation that people are like, oh my God, how do I even start it? How do I join? If I make a mistake, I don't want to be letting my guard down and show that I don't know what I'm talking about. But I think that if you start these conversations earlier on, that whole barrier is completely pushed over. And I think at the end of the day too, regardless of what that conversation looks like, whether it be around race or gender or whatever it is, it just means that altogether hard conversations are going to be so much more exciting and people will be so much more open to them. And I think that people will also be so much more, you know, even I feel like over time, this is such a huge statement to make, but even like depolarize some of the political views because people are just open to having new conversations. But a lot of these ideas that might not have never been brought up to them before are now brought up. Even if you're not super well-versed on the subject matter, you're still exposed to it at a younger age. And I think that's just like so key and so important. And it's really cool um, starting a lot of these conversations with my brothers, one that just graduated high school and one that's a sophomore. We talked a lot about the way that I initiated this conversation is talking about this kind of barrier that's brought up in the way that even at the age of 16 and 18, they're already kind of having their guard up. And as soon as we started the conversation with that, they're like, oh, dang, like, you're very much right. There is some sort of barrier um, to entry in this conversation, especially if, uh, if we're talking around like the Black Lives Matter movement. And as soon as that barrier was brought up, we're like, hey, this is a space that if you don't know the answer to something, that is okay, but you, it's on you to learn about it. Or if you make a mistake, totally fine too. But again, it's, on you to understand why that mistake was made and how you can move past it and learn from it. And my, and, and my space, I guess, wrapping up that whole thing is I think that education could be a really cool, pivotal and unique tool to enable people to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. I just want to say like Kayla and I have been talking about this for a few weeks now. We actually tried recording a podcast, but just taking a little bit more time to process and think of what we wanted to accomplish with this. I think what you just said was, very well articulated and I, I really hope people understand that exposure and education are going to be such crucial tools for young individuals growing up to be able to understand what minority groups and communities have gone through in this country because unfortunately I shouldn't say or at least begin to understand or learn because the way that I view it too is it's like my views and values are because of the life experiences that I've had and it's, and it's an accumulation of my life experiences, right? It's not just because of like, oh, yesterday I decided that I have these values. It's over time, whether it be through my family or my brothers or the school that I went to or my friends, 
the values that I've accumulated and the, the ideals that I have are through, whether I realize it or not, other people or other institutions. And like, you're never, I'm never going to be able to tell you all these experiences that have made me up into who I am today. And that's to say for every individual. And so it's like, yeah, it's more just at the end of the day, like having this exposure to other stories is so, so, so huge and key. Just have more of a worldly understanding of the different walks of life mm-hmm. and narratives that are shared throughout just the world. Yeah. And like from my, from my personal experience, I went to an international baccalaureate high school and I was very fortunate to have several teachers in the history department that really took the time to teach us about the civil rights movement in black America and speaking with so many people now with George Floyd's death and the whole black lives matter movement, I didn't realize how fortunate I was to have that exposure and understanding in high school. I mean, we should be learning about this stuff at a much younger age, just understanding that there's two sides to every story. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, growing up from kindergarten until I was 15, 16, even for most people that are 21 now, you learn about colonization and you learn Mm -hmm. that the Indians were treated so well, but we don't really hear about this other perspective. I was just going to say, I think, you know, it's so cool that you had the opportunity to learn about civil rights, but even ref- going one step back behind it, like who was that book written by? Who was that textbook written by? Probably a white individual, mm-hmm. you know? And so even from then, there's going to be some bias that plays a role into that. Really getting these firsthand narratives of people that have experienced these things and not funneling it through a lens of one individual, making sure that it's like we have not only like we're learning about these things, but we're learning it from the people that truly experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going on, going a little bit more off that, so like going into college, I was fortunate to have taken Ethnic Studies 112. And for those that aren't aware of that course, it's an introductory course about ethnic studies and minority groups and communities that have been affected throughout the history of the United States. And some of the things that I learned in that class, I was like, wow, the whole topic on the Native American schools and how they were trying to Americanize these Native American children. Why was it until I was 20 years old that I didn't know anything about this? I mean, America, mm-hmm. there's clearly an issue and a flaw in our education system where we're not being exposed to things that we should be exposed to, even if they're not pretty and glorious. I totally agree with that, though. Like, it is, it all should be just firsthand narratives. It definitely is something, too. Like like you said, like, it's so unfortunate that this wasn't something that you learned about until you're 20 years old. Like, the be- the best way to put it, too, is, like, I've seen all these like tweets and just Instagram people putting it up on their stories and stuff with like, when is it the right age to teach my child about racism? This is coming from a white individual. And it's like, well, this conversation maybe within a, a black community or a person of color, like their family, they've had this conversation, you know, years and years and years ago when the individual was a child. You can always, especially from a white perspective, you can always argue or try to argue that there's not going to be right time to start the conversation but I think it's because the parents themselves don't even know how to start the conversation themselves or don't even have the toolkit or understanding to be like hey this is what's going on in the world and talk about it which again completely circles back to education I think if a lot of these parents were exposed to this conversation they'd be like okay well I know that I had this education as a child so therefore I want to make sure my child is having these conversations too it's one huge accountability system that really again 
kind of circling back weighted from the beginning pushes this idea or dismantles this idea of groupthink and really forces people to with all these different narratives and stories to formulate their own opinion on their own things rather than if it's just one white narrative that is shared and forces people no matter their background to believe that that's like what has always been the case especially as a child if you don't have the opportunity to really formulate your own opinions to the extent that you do as an adult and have a deeper understanding of the world and so full circling it I do really think that creating this exposure to so many other narratives and people of all walks of life is so important that it would allow people to be like wow I have the opportunity to see the other perspective and it's not just one-sided and it's not just that white narrative it's going to be inclusive of so many other people from all walks of life Mm -hmm. and what really bothers me with how everything's played out is that rather than being a human rights issue we've polarized it and made it a political issue why is someone because of the color of their skin being persecuted against or discriminated against in this country from 1865 to 1965 what did america do to help black people integrate in society that is a question that we haven't been talking about and is one of the root causes of what is going on Yes, we're trying to put a Band-Aid on top of the the scab, scratch, whatever you want to call it. But unless we get down to the root cause, the origins of why mm-hmm. we create these stereotypes and these labels, we're never going to get anything solved. And unfortunately, year after year, you know, you have the Rodney King riots in the 90s. That made national television. And people thought that things would change. Now we're looking 30 years later with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. And we're seeing that there have been protests in over 2,000 cities in the United States. I mean, I really hope that the government and hopefully our president will listen and consider what people are protesting against. And the whole thing we've been talking about in this discussion is being able to listen and communicate and have some type of mutual agreement, even if you disagree. I think what Kayla is getting at is unless you're able to sit down and feel uncomfortable about talking on what American history is about, nothing will change. Yeah, that is, you've nailed it right on the head. I think that is literally the perfect wrap up. You know, I think the process of, not, I don't want to say changing people's beliefs at all by any means, because I don't want to sound like I'm going to go out there and be like, I'm going to 100% change your sub, your ideology or your beliefs on this particular subject matter is what my intention is. But I think taking the time to hear the other perspective is so important. Like you said, listening, but also so underutilized, I'd say. Because again, so many people are scared to start that conversation or make people feel like they're wrong. And it's, it's so much easier to just avoid the subject matter as a whole in order to please people or maintain that friendship, whatever it might look like for them. But then from there, it's like, okay, well, if you can't have the hard conversation, like how good of a friend is that person truly? Mm -hmm. Or if they aren't open to that harder conversation, I don't know. For me, like, it's like, if I, if I can't bring up something, a hard subject matter or something that is truly on my mind and confront someone about something, you're like, Hey, this might be bothering me. I'm like, huh, I kind of sit and reevaluate it because I'm like, I think it is, so, it is so important to always have people that are challenging you 
and I'd want to be viewed as someone that like if like someone can anyone can come up to me and be like I'd love to hear your opinion on this even if it is completely different from my own and this discussion doesn't end here I mean if if you're interested I will include my email and if Kayla is interested include Mm -hmm. her information please reach out I mean this is a collaborative discussion just because the two of us are talking about it doesn't mean that you might agree but I would love to hear others' perspectives on this because, you know, the whole point of what we're talking about today is being able to listen and take in what others have to say. I totally agree. And one last thing that I want to note too is for the people that are listening, know that I don't want to speak for you, Adam, but at least for myself, I was, there were at times they were like, wow, I'm uncomfortable having this conversation. Um, this isn't something that I'm like, I feel like it's out of my wheelhouse. Um, and even when there is someone that is so incredibly versed on any subject matter with any hard conversation, they're probably likely still uncomfortable in that topic. If this is something, if a lot of the things that were said completely oppose your beliefs or your mindset or your thought process in something, take the time to sit back and think why that is rather than judging it. Take the time to reflect on some someone's values that might totally oppose yours because you never know what you're going to get out of it. We are here to listen. And with that, thank you so much, Kayla. We really appreciate having you on the show. You're the best. Thank you, Adam. This was a very challenging episode for us to record. But I think Kayla did a fantastic job elaborating, articulating what we wanted to accomplish. I want to thank Kayla again for joining us on the show and sharing her perspective and what she's learned from her experience being a poly rep. Now, I know that this topic is not something that everybody wants to discuss, but if we don't take the time to talk about the problems in this country, nothing will be fixed. I hope you guys continue to talk about this issue, no matter how uncomfortable it is. And if you're interested in a good resource, I'd highly recommend checking out the documentary 13th on Netflix. It's a really fascinating documentary and I learned a lot from it. Hope you guys have a great day and stay safe.